Uh, We'll start tonight in the book of John chapter 19. We'll also be going to the book of Revelation chapter 21. I'll begin with John 19 and 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by, whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar, and put it upon hyssop, and put it to his mouth. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Revelation chapter 21. I'll begin with verse number 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away, and he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. In our first text tonight, Jesus said, It is finished. In our second text, he says, It is done. I preach tonight, dwelling between finished and done. Dwelling between finished and done. Lord, tonight we need the help of the Holy Ghost. This wonderful group of people desires the sincere milk of the Word of God. I ask, Lord, that you would give it. Also, God, that you would give a spirit of understanding and revelation And God, that they would not be hearers only, but they would be doers. And that they would apply the word of God to their hearts. And God, everything that you have in store for this church, let it come to pass in due season. In Jesus' name, can we clap our hands unto the Lord tonight? Amen. Lord bless you tonight. You may be seated. I believe tonight I would be safe in saying that there are times in our life, all of us, 
when God intervened just in the nick of time. Many have told stories of salvation that came right when they were going to take their life. I I know in my own life I've heard at least two or three individuals who were holding a gun and their phone rang with a word from a friend, a word from God. And they found the Lord as a result. They were at their breaking point and God knew where they were at. I remind you tonight that God knows when to step in and rescue His children. The most important aspect of living for God is understanding tonight that God's timing is far different than our timing. God is not subject to our calendar nor will He cater to our seemingly trivial beckoning of His abilities in our personal situations. We must be mindful of the fact that God is still God. He owes us no explanation regarding what He does or does not do. The Bible still declares plainly in Isaiah 55, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. If God answered our request according to our timeline, it's possible that some of us would not even be in the church today according to our timeline. We are looking at our situation with our knowledge, our perception, and we are praying biased prayers. If God answered every prayer that we prayed, we'd be in a pickle. Just honest, because we're praying according to our perception. We're praying based upon what we feel like we need. Only God knows what we need. Because God sees the end from the beginning. Therefore, He answers our needs according to His perfect timing. Due to human nature, though, frustration grows when we don't see God moving like we think He should be moving or where he should be moving. We feel like God needs to show up here. God, you need to take care of this right now. This is what's going to bring my problem, to uh, the answer to my problem right here. You got to be here, God. Don't show up over here because this is where you're supposed to be. When Mary went to the tomb, she went looking where Jesus was supposed to be. And when Jesus showed up, The Bible says she supposed he was the gardener. She was so busy looking at where he was supposed to be that she didn't see him when he showed up. Hear me tonight. We can't get so tied down to where we think God's supposed to be that we can't see him when he shows up. We can't get so tied to an order of service that when God shows up and messes up our schedule, that we don't recognize that we got to be open to what God wants to do. Whatever God wants, that's what I want. We think because God hasn't done it yet that He won't do it at all. That's not always the case. He does want to perform. He's just waiting on the right time. Hear me tonight. 
Delay is not denial. Just because he hasn't done it yet doesn't mean he's not going to do it. Amen. It's imperative for us tonight to realize that God deals in promises and processes. God sets a goal or gives a promise and then begins the process to bring it about. If God revealed the process to the individual, the promise would never come to fruition due to humanity walking out on God. If God revealed to you everything it was going to take to bring the promise to pass, you'd say you could keep it. I'm happy where I'm at right now. Because nobody likes the process. Nobody likes having to go through things to get something greater. We like the promise. But the process is where many lose faith in God. Abraham was given a promise to be the father of many nations. However, the process proved quite trying, to say the least. Joseph was given a promise by way of two dreams, yet the process tested his faith in every manner possible. Moses heard from God himself that he would deliver the people from Egypt, but they had to endure the wilderness journey to reach the promise. Can I tell you tonight that the promise is necessary, the process is necessary to prepare you for your promise. You would never appreciate the promise if you didn't have to go through anything to get it. Can I tell you tonight that God works with the church the same way? We're promised revival. We're promised souls. We're promised the move of God. But that doesn't mean there's not a process. Hear me. If all it was was a constant outpouring of His Spirit and hundreds of people in the Holy Ghost laid out and you came and did that every service, you wouldn't appreciate it. I wouldn't appreciate it because it would become commonplace. It would just become, oh, that's just church. That's just how we do it. No, God gives you a promise. And then you have to endure the process to bring about the promise. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, spent countless hours and days establishing what would become the New Testament church. Much of what he said was not understood by those present due to the fact that there was no open revelation at that time. God laid out the promise to the church in John 16 and 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I'm going to send him unto you. This is the promise. Guys, i got to get out of here. But I'm not just going to leave you high and dry. I'm going to send a promise. I'm going to send a comforter to you. He, he is establishing a promise. You and I tonight know that this is referring to the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. But at the time, the disciples had no clue. What's he talking about? He's talking about the comforter. He's talking about all that. I don't even know what's going on. But at the time, at the time that they're going on, Jesus is laying groundwork. He's he's, he's giving a promise. And then once the promise is set or the goal is set, he's going to begin a process to bring it about. The disciples, were, were, they were clueless. Jesus was here performing miracles. 
healing blinded eyes, raising the dead. The furthest thing from their mind was him being crucified. The furthest thing from their mind. It was just a short while later that we find Jesus Christ on a cross giving his life for humanity. And I could somehow see the confusion in the disciples' mind and their eyes. The church, if you please, gathered around the cross, confused, hurting, and doubting. They have no clue what's going on. And then Jesus says, it is finished. What do you mean it's finished? We just started. There's plenty of sick people. There's plenty of people demon-possessed. And you're up here on a cross going, it's finished? We hadn't even begun to do what, what, what you want us to do. And you're going to tell us it's finished. The disciples, though, did not know the rest of the story. Jesus Christ, a man, was speaking the words, it is finished, but God was nowhere being finished. Unbeknownst to those individuals that day was what we read in the book of Revelation. He told John, after revealing the new heaven and the new earth, to write down these words, it is done. After everything takes place and God is declared the victor, God spoke and said, okay, it's done. It's done. But the disciples didn't know this. They didn't know what was going on. They didn't have the privilege of reading Revelation. They didn't understand what was going on at the time. All they knew was the present. Just like you and I, all we know is the present. And they were filled with confusion. They were filled with doubt. They were filled with misunderstanding. How can God abandon us like this? How can God promise us all this stuff and then he hightails it out of the picture? They were somewhere between finished and done. Somewhere in a state of confusion. In a state of misunderstanding. What do you mean it's finished? They thought they had it all figured out and then plans got messed up. They thought they figured out what God was going to do. They were just stepping into their role as the disciples of Jesus Christ. And here is Jesus saying, it's finished. It's finished. But what they didn't know was he wasn't done. Can I tell you tonight, uh, it may look like God has abandoned you. It may look like God has stepped out of your situation and that he just left a big mess uh, and you're sitting here trying to figure it out. Uh, I'm telling you tonight, God may be finished with one part, uh, but he's not done in your situation. Uh, he's not done with the whole story and the whole picture. You're just somewhere between finished and done. Between finished and done. If God would have stopped at finish, His Spirit would not dwell with the hearts of men. You know what happens between finished and done? The promise comes to pass. Because it was between finished and done the day of Pentecost when they were all filled with the upper room. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. They thought God was done. They thought God would abandon them. They didn't understand it was part of the process uh, to bring about the promise uh, on the day of Pentecost. 
I step tonight to this pulpit one final time to tell you it's between finished and done that God brings your promise to pass. It's between finished and done where God shows you a greater revival, a greater ingathering of souls, greater miracles and signs and wonders. Clap your hands unto the Lord tonight. Calvary was part of the process to bring the promise to pass. Could it be that in this very room there are people that find themselves in the same situation? Everything's going great. Everything was great. You were living in the authority of the Spirit, enjoying the presence of God. God was moving and life could not be any better. Somewhere along the way, everything stopped. Your world caved in. Everything's topsy-turvy. You're confused as to why God stopped meeting your request. You feel abandoned because God allowed bad things to happen in your life. Just as the disciples were dazed and full of questions, you're looking at God with a list of questions. I'm telling you tonight, God did not abandon you. He hasn't jumped ship. He knows right where you're at. You're dwelling between finished and done. And the promise is going to come to pass. I tell you as an individual and as a church, if you can make it through the process, the promise will be that much more enjoyable. Samson knew what it was like to operate under the power of God. There came a day though when Samson fell prey to the desires of this flesh, revealing to Delilah the secret of his power. I'm sure Samson spent his time in bondage crying out to God thinking that God would never use him again. I'm a failure. I'm a failure. I'll never be used by God. I messed up. My sin is too great. My circumstances are too negative. I'm sure he rolled this over and over and over in his mind, thinking that he gave up. But Samson, can I tell you today, God wasn't done. He may have been finished, but he wasn't done. Because there came a day when God heard his prayer. And Samson felt the power of God come on him one more time. And when God said it was done, he killed more when he was done than he did the rest of his life. I'm telling you, a mess up on your part doesn't mean abandonment on God's part. When you get your spirit right with God and you get in line with what God wants in the church and in your life, God is going to pour out His Spirit. I'm telling you, there's so many people sitting on churches all over the place. They feel like just because they messed up, just because they had a bad spirit, just because they did things they weren't proud of or people found out about, they think that that means God's done with them. That God, once you mess up, you're off. Sit the bench, buddy. That's not how it works in the kingdom of God. You just put it on the blood. You get your spirit right with your pastor. You get your spirit right with God. And you get back in here. And you let God use you in the kingdom of God. This isn't about spectating. It's about participating. And you can't let a mess up on your part be a hang up for eternity. And you can't let the devil convince you that everyone's going to judge you. 
and that you can't ever make it right with your pastor, hear me tonight. The greatest thing you can do is humble yourself. It's the greatest thing you can do. You humble yourself before God, and you humble yourself before your pastor. You don't have to go, you don't have to go make a big to-do about it. You just humble yourself. Just humble yourself. A humble person doesn't say he's humble. You don't have to make a display about your humility. Because what you say or what you do speaks louder than what you say. Your actions are screaming compared to your words. And you can't let the enemy convince you that they're just not going to understand. Who cares if they understand? You make it right. You make it right. And you get back in the kingdom of God and you put your hand to the plow and you have revival. You have revival. Hey, hear me. God may be finished with one part, but he ain't done. We may be closing revival tonight, but that just means we're finished. It doesn't mean God's done. It doesn't mean that you got to go back to how it used to be. And it's just church. No, it's revival. You come in here the next service uh, with a greater enthusiasm, a greater uh, a greater passion to see souls saved. Yes, yes. If this was my church, I'd just be happy to come here. I feel the Holy Ghost just let me walk in it. If this was my church, I couldn't wait to bring somebody to church with me. Hear me, God's not finished tonight. Well, I better get back to some notes tonight. Peter was the first to receive the revelation of the God, mighty God in Christ. Matthew 16, 15 through 20 reveals to us where Jesus Christ or God gave the revelation of the mighty God in Christ. Peter's identity was changed and the promise of being instrumental in the founding of the New Testament church was granted. Peter must have been walking on cloud nine. I, I could have just imagined me. If Jesus gave me the keys to the kingdom, I'd be telling everybody. I mean, that's just me. Peter must have been walking on cloud nine. He, he must have been so excited. But there came a day when he denied Jesus three times. I can just see old Peter beating his head against the wall by that fire going, wow, I failed God again. I messed up. I mean, I, I, he promised me that I was going to be instrumental. And here I am denying him. Denying him. How is he going to use me? How is he going to use me in the kingdom of God? I've messed up. You know, I offended sister so-and-so. I, I really, I really messed up now. I did this or I did that or I said this about this one. I did that. How is God going to use me? But I, you know what? I don't know if, I don't know if Peter had the Bible. Or I don't know if Peter even read the book of Micah. But somewhere along the way, just let me think, let me pretend this happened. Maybe Peter was sitting by that fire and he felt a song rise up in his heart. And he said, rejoice, not against me. Oh, mine enemy, even though I may have fallen right now. I'm going to get back up. Can I speak to a church tonight? You need to get that in your spirit. Rejoice not against me. Oh, my enemy. For when I fall, I 
shall arise. It doesn't matter how far you fall. You fall. It matters if you get back up and put your hand to the plow. God may be finished, but he's not done yet. He ain't done yet. Can I tell you there's still revival? Revival is not subject to a time or to a calendar. Revival is a promise from God. And with promises, we already talked about processes. You can't let the process get you so sour-faced. Y'all still love me. Y'all are so kind. You can't get so crossways. Just because you're having to go through it. Can I tell you, let me just say this because I'm a preacher. The hardest thing for a preacher to do sometimes is to put on a poker face when he comes to the house of God. And steps to that pulpit. And he's been through hell all day and all week. And he's trying to get your hide out of hell. I never understood it until I became one. And the hardest thing, my pastor, he, he, he had to teach me a lot. But he's still teaching me. But I had a tendency to wear my emotions on my sleeve. And if I got crossways, there was no doubt. I, I looked it. I was mad. Y'all know some kind of those people? Y'all. So when I began to preach and I began to be in ministry, pastor would always say, Tyler, son. You can't let people know how you really feel. Praise the Lord. You can't let your bad day, you can't let your horrible week, you can't let everything get you so sour-faced that when you come to the house of God, you're just trying to be a wet blanket on everything. You better leave your bad day at the door and say, when I come to the house of God, I come to give God praise. I come to have revival. I came to see souls saved. I came to have a move of the Spirit. God knows where you're at. He knows the misunderstandings. He knows... The miscommunication. See, miscommunication sometimes results in misunderstanding. Misunderstanding sometimes results in offense. Offense results in bitterness. Bitterness leads to depression. And depression leads to backsliding. How's that quick? That's a quick little tutorial there on how you just get lost with God. Just go ahead and get crossways with somebody. Just go ahead and get a bad attitude. Oh, hallelujah. Just go ahead and get a misunderstanding. And you just fester on it for a little while, and you, it'll it'll run its course, and we'll be trying to pray you back through. You can't let your crossways and your misunderstanding come in and affect what God's trying to do in the church. You put it under the blood. You get your spirit right. You get it right with your pastor. You get it right with the person across the aisle from you, and you just focus on coming and having revival. Praise the Lord! I love God tonight. You love Lord. Hallelujah. Philippians 1 and 6 declares this, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it under the day of Jesus Christ. 
a good work denotes process. Until the day of Jesus Christ denotes promise. The promise is that we're going to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. The process happens between finished and done. If finished denotes totality, then Jesus Christ, when you get to heaven, would say, well finished. But what's he going to say? Well done. It's like when you do these big construction projects and they do them in phases. They'll be finished with phase one, but they're not done with the whole thing. Can I tell you tonight, we went through a little overhaul the past six weeks. And God may be finished, but he's not done. There's still revival. Oh, hallelujah. Being confident of this very thing. He which hath begun. If, if you'll just keep your spirit right. If you'll just keep your spirit. I don't know why I'm stuck on that, but let me just pause. If you'll just keep your spirit right. You're looking at somebody who knows what it's like to have a bad spirit. I had a bad spirit for a long, long time. Oh, I still smiled. I still danced. I, when I was seeing here, I danced a little bit more. But I tried dancing tonight. I almost went into cardiac arrest over here in the corner. Oh, hallelujah. Had to pick me up off the floor. I tried spinning and about lost it. If you'll keep a right spirit, you keep a right spirit. I had a bad spirit. And you can be so right in principle but wrong in spirit, and it, it's null and void. Null and void. You may have the greatest idea and claim that it came from Jesus Christ himself written in your Bible. But if you've got a wrong spirit, you throw it out the window. Your spirit will make or break your principle. And you can, you can come to pastor with something that you think is just the greatest thing. I mean, it has to be done. If we do this, we'll have a hundred new people come to church. That's great. But if you've got a bad spirit, nothing will be a result of it. Your spirit, your spirit, how? Your, the, the overall makeup of your Christian existence is your spirit. Your spirit. You, you could come in here just so sour-faced and just critiquing everything. Your spirit will determine the level of your growth. And a wrong spirit will stunt your growth. And you will resume normal growth when you get your spirit right. Hallelujah. Your spirit, your spirit, you have to have a right spirit. I prayed, I said, God, I, every time I pray, because I struggled with it for so many years, I say, God, give me a right spirit. I don't want my spirit to, to take on emotions or, or my spirit to be dictated by emotions, rather. I want to have a right spirit according to the word of God. According to the word of God, you've got to put personal bias out of it. You've got to put your opinion out of it. You've got to put sister so-and-so's opinion out of it. And you say, God, I want my spirit to line up with this word. Because you're going to be judged by the word when you stand before God. You're not going to be judged by sister so-and-so's opinion. Or what this one told you to do. Or, or this one. Give. You know what I find? I find this a lot. I found this in my own life. I'm just going to tell you what I went through. There was a ton of people that would give me advice. But they wouldn't even do it themselves. They tell me, well, if I was in that situation and the pastor was treating me like that and talking to me like this is what I would do. No, you wouldn't. They would cower down like a dog and they would obey the pastor. But behind his back and to everybody else, they would act like Superman or Superwoman. You've got to be aware of those people because all they're going to do is fester a bad spirit in you. 
You just keep your spirit right, keep your spirit right with the word, and you just have revival. You just have growth. You just let God come in and just do what he wants to do. Because God's not done yet. Stand with me tonight. I'm done. I've been meddling too long. Hallelujah. Paul and Silas was in prison. Musicians, if you'd come. Paul and Silas was in prison. And I'm sure Paul thought that his circumstances were a little bleak. And he thought that this was the end of the road. And I might as well hang it up. But he said, Silas, you know, if I'm going to die, if this is how I'm going out, why not sing and shout a little bit? Why not sing and praise a little bit? Can I tell you tonight, it's still all right to worship the Lord demonstratively in the kingdom of God. And you may think that your circumstances are fixing to take you under. Can I tell you, not? why not praise anyhow? Why not worship Him anyhow? If this is the end of the road, you might as well say, I'm going out with a shout. I'm going out worshiping. I tell you tonight, God may be finished with revival tonight, but He's not done with this church. He's not done with revival in this church. He's not done in your family. He's not done in your community. He's not done with the will of God yet. You're somewhere between finished and done. And when you stand before God, I pray every person in the building can hear him say, well done. There were some times that you thought, I gave up on you. I was just finished for a little while. Now, I'm done. Enter on in. Enter on in. I wonder tonight, just to close this revival, I don't know, music singers, you could come. I don't know if this, what you're going through, I don't know the questions that you faced in your mind regarding God's involvement in your situation. But I believe tonight it would be pleasing to the Lord if everyone across this building would come to the front and we praised Him for the victory. For the victory. See, see, a lot of times we praise Him when we're, when we're looking at something bleak. But we have to praise Him for, for, for it. Because revival is still here. The power of God is still here. Our praise just has to reflect that. So they're going to sing a little bit. And we're just going to have a worship fest. We're going to let God work in our lives one more time tonight.